to God's word here together this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, starting in verse 25. Now, concerning the betrothed, a bunch of questions, and he's writing back, addressing a bunch of topics that they've asked him about. And so he's saying, now look, here's here's another thing that you've asked me about. Let me address this for you. Some of your Bibles might have either a marginal note or a, a different word for that word betrothed. Now concerning the virgins. So this is at least those who aren't married, and it's possible that it's those who are engaged to be married. Concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. And what Paul is saying there is, I don't have any scripture where God has already given a pronouncement about this, but trust me, I'm a representative of of God in this. Trust trust my advice here. I, I think that in view of the present distress, it's good for a person to remain as he is. What, what does he mean, remain as he is? Are you, are you bound to a wife? That simply means married, right? Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those, those who marry will have worldly troubles. And I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers and sisters. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. And those who mourn as though they were not mourning. And those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. And those who buy as though they had no goods. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with the world. For the present form of this world is passing away. I I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how, how to please his wife. And his, his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please your husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. That phrase right there is the key to this passage. I'm saying this, end of verse 35, to secure something. I'm trying to lock something in. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to accomplish something for you. I want to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Think about that. Paul's saying to single and married. To those who are thinking about marriage, he's saying this. I'm securing something. I want to secure something. I want to lock in on something for you. Here's the most important thing for all of you. I want to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. 
If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong, and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control, and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well. And he who refrains from marriage will do even better. Ooh, that's a verse we got to find out what Paul is saying. Let me read that again. He who marries his betrothed does well. And he who refrains from marriage will do even better. We're going to have to figure out what that means. Verse 39, a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she's happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. Father, please help us this morning as we look into this passage See your good heart to secure our undivided devotion to you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. The title of my sermon this morning is just that, Undivided Devotion to the Lord. Undivided Devotion to the Lord. On a, on a recent flight, I was able to watch the biopic movie, called King Richard. Anybody seen it? Fantastic. I loved it. It's the story, the true story of Richard Williams, the father of Venus and Serena Williams. This, this movie tells the story of a father who was singularly focused on raising daughters who would be world champion tennis players. When they were little, and he had a bunch of daughters, when they were little, he was training all of them in tennis. And when they were really little, he was training them to be world champion tennis players. If you asked him, what are you training them for? It wasn't to be good tennis players. It was to be world champion tennis players. Everything in their home revolved around tennis. There was a, there was a singular focus what they ate, when they did their schoolwork, the kind of exercises they did, the things they did with their free time, which they had very little of, when they went to bed, when they got up, their practice, their practice, their practice, their tennis, their tennis, their tennis. They were singularly focused. Richard Williams was singularly focused on raising girls who would become world champion tennis players. I'd say he did pretty good at what he was seeking to accomplish. For good or for bad, that was his devotion. And today's passage, at first glance, seems to be primarily about figuring out whether you should be married or stay single. And while it, it definitely does cover these two things, it's clearly about something much bigger than just that, right? If it was just about, hey, if you're single, you should try to figure out whether or not you're going to get married, a bunch of you in here would tune me out right now. 
right? Like a bunch of you, that issue's already settled, and a bunch of you are so young that you're like, what? I don't even care about whether I get marriage. It's gross. Girls are gross. I don't want anything to do, right, with boys. But it's not about that. It's not primarily about that. It's primarily about this, your undivided devotion to the Lord. Whether you are single or whether you are married, here's what God wants from you. Listen, this is what God wants from every single one of you this morning. He wants your undivided devotion to the Lord. D.L. Moody once said, the world has yet to see what one man completely devoted to Christ looks like. Think about that. There's some really wonderful Christian men and women who have gotten a lot of wonderful Christian work done for God. I'm not, D.L. Moody is not, this is not scripture, right? D.L. Moody's saying something does not make it scripture. But think about that for a moment. The world has yet to see what one man or one woman who is completely undivided in their devotion to Christ can accomplish. Well, listen, I'm not trying to pick out one super saint in here. For all of us in here, Christ has for us a calling. And that calling is this, undivided devotion to the Lord. My main point this morning is this. God wants your undivided devotion. Now, as we dive into this passage, it's a longer passage, verse 25 through 40, slightly longer than what we would normally uh, bite off and chew on a Sunday morning. Uh, And many who have studied this passage agree that there are several extremely difficult things to understand. I looked at a lot of commentaries this week. A lot of them disagree, right? So, Sometimes uh, I, I read through and I'm like, man, you know, the, the, more, the, more, different, uh, the more commentaries I read, the, the more confused I get. I don't think that's the intended purpose. There are some minor points that, are, that can be confusing. I think the main point is very simple. But when you, when you look, about, look in this passage, look at verse 26, and Paul says, I think in view of the present distress... Well, there's all sorts of things that, the, that smart theologians say. Was the pre, what is Paul talking about, the present distress? Is that, is that still today? Do we still have a present distress today? Others look in verse 29 and where it says, Let those who have wives live as though they had none. What is that supposed to mean? If I, if I told you, all right, husbands in here, those of you who are married, live as though you have no wife. Some of you would cheer. <laughs> don't cheer. If wives, if I said, live as though you have no husbands, because obviously both sides of that coin work, you would think, well, what, what, what is Paul getting at here? Verse 36. Look at verse 36. Verse 36 and following is really confusing. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed. Well, there are some who say that the he there is talking about a fiancé, and behaving properly toward his, his fiance. Others believe this is a father who's responsible for the marriage of his betrothed daughter. And you can read wonderful Christian men who wax eloquent on both of those issues. Well, we're going to try to land the plane on answering all of these questions here this morning. But again, the main point is that what Christ is after and what Paul is addressing here in this Corinthian church is this, that, that the Lord wants of you undivided devotion to Christ. Undivided devotion to Christ. Why, why would Paul talk about marriage? Why would Paul talk about undivided devotion to Christ? Well, I have three reasons that he articulates right here in this passage. First of all, that life is hard. Second of all, life is short. 
And thirdly, life has purpose. Your, your life is hard. It is. I, I know you. I, I know everyone in here pretty well, and I know some of you extremely well, and I know your life is hard. You don't have to say amen. You don't have to nod your head. I know your life is hard because, because everyone's life is hard, because life is hard. Life is short. Some are shorter than others. Some are pass away in infancy, and some live to be 80 or 90. Regardless, life is short. A 90-year-old life is still in the grand scheme of eternity. It's a short thing. But brothers and sisters, life has purpose. God has created and saved and called you for a reason, for a purpose. And if we don't understand that, then we will waste the years that God has given us, whether they be 90 or 9. Life is hard. Point number one, life is hard. Isn't that an encouraging day, on time, encouraging comment on Time Change Sunday? Life is hard. Verses 25 through 28 drive this point home for us. Concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Don't seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Don't seek a wife. But if you marry, you will not have sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. Life is hard. He's saying, look, there's a, in light of the present distress, and if you get married, you will, you will have worldly troubles, and I want to spare you that. Now, this present distress, what's going on with this present distress? Well, some commentators say that, that Paul is aware that the world that we live in is hard and that, that the evil one is set against Christians. There is the prince and the power of the air, and there is this good versus evil battle, and, and the Lord is coming back soon, and, and those are the kinds of things he's thinking about. Other commentaries, and I tend to agree with this one, that Paul is very likely referring to a, a specific set of hard things that are happening or just getting ready to happen. I think I heard, saw one of you mouth this. There's this guy coming who's getting ready to, to rule Rome, a guy named Nero. Nero was a bad dude. I think sometimes, because we live in such a relatively safe world, a rel like the, the meanest things that happen to us is someone posts something negative on your Facebook post. And that's like the worst thing that happens to us. Nero would take Christians, specifically Christians, right? So he'd come to liberty and be like, oh, great, here are here are 100 candles to light my garden. And you might think, what on earth are you talking about? He would take Christians, dip them in pitch, light them on fire alive to walk through his gardens at night so he could see. So he, so he no, they didn't walk through the gardens. They were on stakes burning alive. And he would walk through his gardens so he could see, and the Christians were burning alive. Christians would be um, taken, and they would sew wild animal skins on the outside of the Christians and then put them in the arena and then release wild dogs on them and you'd see how long you could survive that. But the dogs always won. Nero wasn't just picking 
people, he was picking Christians. He wanted Christians because he hated Christianity. Paul knows that the world is no friend of grace. He knows that the city of Corinth is no friend to Christians. He knows maybe God has given him some ability to know that there's really serious persecution that's getting ready to come. In just about 10 years from the writing of this book, these things would happen. And in, in light of these kinds of circumstances, Paul is saying, look, look, if you get married and then, and then you get chosen to be one of Nero's candles, man, like, that's just a lot of extra that's a lot of extra things to worry about. Now you've got a wife and children to worry about. In light of the present difficulty that you at Corinth are going through right now, I'm just telling you it's better not to be married and have all those responsibilities and all those worries. Life is hard for a single person, but life is, and all my married brothers and sisters in here can nod in an honest, humble agreement, life is significantly harder especially during times of difficulty, for a family. Many of us, the, 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 most, um, the most thought we've had to give to something like this was during COVID, during kind of the hardest days of COVID. And some of us began to think, what, what is, is going to come of this world? Like, how bad is this going to get? What do I have? I mean, I've got four kids in my home. Many of you have kids in your home. And and, and your, your thoughts did kind of go to, this is about as bad as I've ever experienced life here in the United States, and what kinds of things do we need to be giving, giving thought to? If, you're, if you marry, even in the incredibly luxurious life that we experience here in the United States, you will have worldly troubles. Worldly troubles doesn't mean sinful. When I say worldly, Paul's not saying you're going to be consumed with bad stuff. It's just the stuff of this world. You're going to be mindful of worldly troubles, and I want to spare you that. Paul, as a spiritual father and authority, is speaking into the lives of those he cares about, and he's giving his spirit-filled, spirit-inspired counsel. He's like a loving father speaking wise counsel into the life of his children. Young people, young people in here, from the youngest in here to the oldest who are still single, let me encourage you to seek the input of those around you. Seek the input of the, the wise spiritual people that God has put in your life, of your parents and of your pastor, and ask them, hey, in light of me, in light of the, the circumstances of this world, what should I do? Ask them, do you think I should marry so-and-so? And then listen. Ask them if they think you're ready to be married. Ask them for advice. If you are going to get married, ask for advice on how to do this thing called marriage in the world that we live in. One pastor says this, it's a wise thing for couples to counsel with their parents and with their Christian leaders in the church lest they rush into something which afterward they regret. And even in this incredibly easy world that we live in today, compared to whatever it was that Paul was facing, life and marriage is hard. The best marriages are hard. They're still hard. The very best marriages are still hard. There's a lot of marriages represented in this room. And most of you, most of the marriages in this room right now, are struggling. How do I know that? 
because the Bible tells me so. I don't need my own experience. I know my wife's upstairs. I can talk very openly. I would say this even, right? I've told you this before. We have been on the receiving end of marriage counseling where we went to a pastor and said, we're struggling and we can't get this figured out. We need help. Of course we needed help. And of course you need help. I tell couples who are, I'm doing their premarital counseling and I say things like, premarital counseling is good and you need to do it. Postmarital counseling is necessary. Absolutely necessary. Um, this isn't in my notes, so I need to be careful. Uh, let me find my way back into my notes. Yes, so even the very best of marriages is hard, and Paul recognizes, look, the, so imagine this. So while you might look at the world that you live in right now and think, um, you know, there doesn't seem to be like a present distress right now. Well, if you lived in Ukraine, it might. If you lived in North Korea, it might. If you lived in northern Ethiopia, isn't there a lot of famine and like war stuff up in northern Ethiopia, south of Eritrea right now, right? Like if you lived there, these words would make a lot of sense to you. Bombs are going off. I'm not sure where I'm going to get food today, and I'm engaged to someone. Should we get married and start a family right now? Like maybe in light of this present distress, maybe since we both can honor God in our singleness, maybe we need to reconsider this. The present distress is so overwhelming to us right now. And then to get married and start having children, like what, you know, that, that's going to multiply our worldly um, uh, hardships. Paul is this loving counselor, and he's saying this, look, I really want to spare you these troubles. I really want to spare you these troubles. Have you ever had someone say, look, now, if I were you, I'd do such and such. You can do whatever you want, but if I were you, I would do such and such. We've, we've had people, right, like there have been times where my wife will say something to me like, if I were you, I wouldn't eat three Hot Pockets at 10 p.m. right before you go to bed. But you can do what you want. I'm just telling you, if I were you, right, this loving counsel from her into my life, right? And I use a silly illustration, but a very serious illustration is where Paul is saying, listen, I want to spare you the trouble that I can see coming for you. Life is hard, and, and married or single, it's going to be hard. Secondly, life is short. I'm going to tie, I'll, I'll, you, you might think, well, you kind of left us hanging there on point one. I'm going to tie some things together in point three. Secondly, life is short. Verse 29, this is what I mean, brothers. Paul's saying, let, let me explain. The appointed time has grown very short. So from now on, those who have wives live as though they don't have any. If you're mourning, act like you're not. If you're rejoicing, act like you're not. If you're busy, act like you're not, et cetera, et cetera. First, let's talk about what, what is the appointed time. Brothers, the appointed time is very short. Well, we don't exactly know exactly what Paul means by that. Did Paul assume Jesus is coming back like in months or in years? And so the appointed time is very short. Don't waste your, don't waste your time with things like marriage and that sort of thing. It's possible that that's what Paul meant. I, I'm not convinced that that's specifically what Paul means. I, I think we get the answer to what he means there in the beginning of verse 29 at the end of verse 31. For the present form of this world is passing away. I think what Paul is saying is this. This world, this life, is short 
and it's passing away. This is not eternity for you. This is not eternal. Marriage isn't eternal. Mourning isn't eternal. Rejoicing isn't eternal. The suffering that you're going through right now, it's not eternal. The joy that you're experiencing right now isn't eternal. The marriage that you're living in right now, it's not eternal. These things aren't things that are eternal. Be aware of that. I don't think he's saying if you're married, move out and act like you're not married. I think what he's saying is, listen, whether it's marriage or suffering or rejoicing or buying and selling, this life is short and it's going to pass away. And you can live a healthy life to 100 and you're still going to, you're still going to die. This, this life, and this life feels like it's everything to us. I mean, it's the only thing we know. And so it feels like this is the most real thing. This is the eternal thing. This is all I've ever known. One of the best illustrations I can think of, I think I originally heard it from Brian Pate, and, or a, a version of this. So, so next week, uh, no, yeah, this week, uh, on Wednesday, uh, my whole family, we're flying to California. We're doing Marilyn Van Beek's wedding in California. We'll be gone. I'll be gone next Sunday. Matt, Pastor Matt will be preaching next Sunday. Um, so our family is going to California. Now imagine, imagine this. We get packed up. And I said, kids, here we go. And we get to, the, to uh, Amarillo, and we park the car, and we go in the airport there in Amarillo. And when we get into the, the, uh, the waiting area there in the airport in Amarillo, I say to my kids, look at this place. We're here. This is it. We've arrived. Come on. Let's live it up. Right? And people in the airport, right? Like they're they're all they got their earbuds in and they're, you know, like they're not paying any attention to us. But like we're going to that, you know, that one little cafe right there. And I'm like, kids, let's go. Order, buy whatever you want. Let's just let's let's order six or six in our family, six of everything, right? And then we go to that little tiny little gift shop there, and I'm like, come on, we're all getting Amarillo t-shirts, baby, and we get Amarillo t-shirts, right? And we get little toys and trinkets and little shot glasses that say Amarillo. I'm like, hey, we're here, we're living it up, right? And and then and we start meeting people, the TSA agents, right? We're like, hey, how is it here? It's awesome, right? This is a great place, right? Like. You would think you're crazy. You're not where you're going. You're, you're not to your destination. Bro, you're, you're at the airport waiting. In fact, like you're in just the little, the little tiny airport. It's not even anything fun to do. There are some cool airports out there. Some of you have laid over in some really cool airports before, right? You're like, I actually probably could spend a couple of days in this airport. Amarillo's not like that. Right? I mean, imagine, imagine how silly that would seem if, if, we, if we just kind of like brought our sleeping bags and pillows and we're like, we're here, we're staying here. We want to make this our forever home, right? That's, that's silly. Brothers and sisters, it is, it is so, uh, look, I am, I am preaching to me as much as anyone in this room. It is our, it's our, there are some good parts of this that we are creatures of a place and we want to have a home and we want to live and flourish in a place. But our mindset often is this world is my home. 
I'm not, you know, the old song, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through, right? We're inclined to think, no, 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 this world is my home, and I'm, I'm like, I'm going to make a big deal out of it being here, and we forget. And so that's why when the grief comes, it absolutely unsettles us, because we think, well, life was supposed to be happy, and life was supposed to be fun, and this was my home, this was my paradise, this was my best life now. No. No, this world is, this life is hard, and this life is short. And I'm looking in the eyes of enough people in here that, like, if, if, I, if you were honest with your testimonies, which I wouldn't ask you to be in this room, in a room this size, you, like, you just start sharing testimonies of how life is hard and life is short. Brothers and sisters, we're in the Amarillo airport right now. Live as though you have no wife. Live as though the mourning you're experiencing isn't going to last forever. Live as though the rejoicing now isn't going to last forever. There is something that is going to last forever. We're going to talk about that here in a second. Life is short. Number three, life has a purpose. Life has a purpose. Verse 32, I, wa I want you to be free from anxieties. I want you to be free from anxieties. Verse, well, anxious about worldly things. Anxious about worldly things. Here, Paul is talking. He says, the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord, but the married man is anxious about the worldly things. And, this, and then he goes on to say the same thing about, about women. Listen, here's something that I think the church needs to reclaim. I think in our world, and sometimes even in the church, singleness is viewed as this thing to be dreaded and avoided at, at all costs and just marry somebody because it's better, better than being single. I think anyone, any married person would tell you, no, no, hang on. Being single in the Lord's will is infinitely greater than being married outside the Lord's will. Because it is. First of all, because it's obedient. Secondly, because it, practically speaking, is. There, there are ways in which, and I want, I want we, we've got a, we had a bunch of singles and then a bunch of them got married and we've got a bunch of singles kind of, they're not all here this morning, but there's a bunch of them kind of cropping back up here in the church again, which is great. There is, Paul is saying, and through the inspiration of God, is saying there is something special. There is a capacity as a single person to serve the Lord that you do not have as a married person. And I touched on this last week or the week before. There is a capacity. There, is, there are fewer worldly distractions I mean, th there are missions trips, there are service projects, there are things to be done even here in, in, you know, within the ministry here, here at Liberty Baptist Church that single people are able to do that married people can't. And Paul is acknowledging that. Again, in light of the present distress, in light of the fact that this world is short, singleness is, and he uses the word at verse, in verse 38, those who refrain from marriage will do even better. We've got to figure out what he means by that. Right? If you're engaged, you can get married. It's not sinful. But if you can refrain from marriage, it's even better. Now, again, let's remember the context. Paul has already been saying, listen, if you have the desire for marriage and you have the sexual drive that would prevent you from being single, then get married and you're not sinning. But in light of the present distress... Because life is short, 
And because God wants undivided devotion from all of his people, if you can refrain from marriage, it's better. Singleness is better? Which is better? A fork or a spoon? Which is better? Which is better? A boat or an airplane? Which is better? A pencil or a pen? Well, with all three of those illustrations, it depends. It depends. It depends on the circumstances that I find myself in. If I've got chicken broth for supper, a spoon is better than a fork. I'm probably not going to use either. I'm just going to drink it. If I'm trying to get to Amarillo, an airplane is better than a boat. If I'm working on a math problem, a pencil is better than a pen. And a calculator is better than both of them. Circumstances determine what is better. And what Paul is saying is this. Life is hard, especially right now in Corinth. Nero is coming. Life is short. Undivided devotion to Christ is important. And in light of these circumstances, Corinthians, in light of these circumstances, singleness, if it's for you, if it's a God-given gift for you, don't try to run from it and get married because that's what everyone is supposed to do. I don't want to lay a legalistic blanket over you, but if this is something that you can do, then it is a better thing right now, given these circumstances. Fork, spoon, depends. Boat, airplane, it depends. Pencil, pen, it depends. Marriage, singleness, it depends. And Paul is saying, in light of these circumstances, this thing is better for you if you can have it. He's not being legalistic. He's saying this for their own good. And he's saying this to secure their undivided devotion to Christ. Some people will have their undivided devotion to Christ will be seen in their singleness. Others in their marriage. And he concludes here, verse 39, he concludes, a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I too have the spirit of God. Even there, he's saying remarriage, again, only in the Lord. That means only believers marry believers. To do otherwise is sin. This would immediately, this would immediately create for some the divided devotion that Christ desires to be undivided. Now, here, here are a few principles. I've got a kind of a, I'm starting my conclusion, but I've got a slightly longer conclusion this week. By the way, point number three was life has purpose. Conclusion. Uh, excuse me, excuse me, before we get to the conclusions, I think there's four principles from this passage that we need to be aware of. Principle number one, singleness is a gift for undivided devotion to Christ. I'm going to unpack undivided devotion for, to Christ in my conclusion. Singleness is a gift 
for undivided devotion to Christ. And there are questions that you need to ask yourself. Is this a way that I can live in the light of the present circumstances? Is this a way for me to give undivided devotion to Christ? Second principle, marriage is a gift for undivided devotion to Christ. If you don't have this gift of singleness, if you don't have the gift of singleness and you think, doggone it, I'm going to have the gift of singleness because I want to be undivided, devoted to Christ, and you're constantly going, but I wish I was married. Right? Like you're, Now you're divided. Now your devotion is divided. You're like, I'm going to serve Jesus, but man, I wish I could be married. And you're divided. Sometimes marriage is what, okay, I'm not distracted by the desires of marriage. I have a family, and now I'm able to be undividedly devoted to Christ. So principle number two, marriage is a gift for undivided devotion to Christ. Principle number three, if you're single, you must answer the question, what will provide you the greatest devotion to Christ? That's the question you have to ask yourself if you're single. If you're single, And looking at singleness or looking at marriage, what will provide you the greatest devotion to Christ? Will marrying another believer provide you the greatest devotion to Christ? Or will staying single provide the greatest devotion to Christ? What will provide for you? I'm not making this up. I didn't come up with the rules. Jesus is the one who, through the Apostle Paul, wants the Corinthian believers to know what I'm after is your undivided devotion to Christ. To do otherwise is to be disobedient. Principle number four, if you're married, you must live with undivided devotion to Christ. But why? Now we're in the conclusion. But why? Why? Why would someone avoid marriage in order to be undividedly devoted to Christ? Because to be married and not be known by Christ or to know Christ, or to help others know Christ, would be a life wasted. Because you can be married and have all the stuff of this world and die and spend the bulk, the eternity, the real part of your life separated from God in hell. And that would be a waste. And you could marry a Miss America contestant, I have a friend who did. Uh, He won a Miss America. She won Miss America. A friend of mine married her. They are no longer married. You could have the biggest, fanciest house on the planet with the biggest, fanciest ranches with the best hunting in the world, and I would be your friend. And you can die. And when Jesus says, depart from me, I I never knew you. Those 80 years are nothing. They're nothing. They're vapor. They're here for a moment and gone. And the eternity part of you lives somewhere forever. Why? Why is it so important to live in a way that ha- that where you have uh, undivided devotion for Christ? Because a life lived in the other way is a wasted life. Look, I don't want to just kind of like barely get into heaven. I want to show up to heaven dragging people along, right? Not, not dragging people along. You know what I mean, right? Like, hey, I spent the 80 years wisely. 
I gave undevoted devotion to the thing that matters the most. I was in the Amarillo airport saying, come on, let's go to California. Come on, let's go to California. Come on. This isn't where we're going to stay. Like there's some snacks and we can eat them. They're real. And there's some, you know, we can get to know each other a little bit here in the, in the airport. And that's great. And we should. There's nothing unreal about being in the Amarillo airport. It's just not my final destination. It's not where I'm going. And I want other people to go to California too. Listen, this world is real. Build houses, grow plants, have children. All of that is part of what God is ruling and keeping of this world, but it's not the final place. How can you be, how can you be devoted to Christ? Well, first of all, you should know him. And I think I have these as applications uh, on the screen for you. It's know, grow, and go. Being devoted to Christ. First, you want to make sure that he knows you. Remember Matthew chapter 7, depart from me. I never knew you. How do you make sure that he knows you? By putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Repent of your sins and put faith in Christ. And that is how God knows you. You must be known and know Christ in, through salvation. Secondly, to grow. Paul, we read the opening passage this morning was from Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. And the apostle Paul says, I got one thing that I want. There's one thing that I am after, that I may know him. It doesn't mean that he didn't make tents, that he didn't go to feasts, and that he didn't have friends, and that he didn't travel a lot. He did all of those things. But in all of those things, there was one undivided devotion to knowing Christ. Brothers and sisters, as farmers and ranchers and mechanics and teachers and whatever, fill in the blank, whatever it is that God has given you to do with the hobbies that you love, hunting and golf and bowling and whatever, checkers, you know, whatever, whatever um, hobbies that you enjoy and whatever family God has given you, right? Children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, like all of these things are real. And in them, you can still remain undevotedly, uh, undividedly devoted to Jesus Christ. So, so know him, grow in him, and go for him. When Jesus ascended up into heaven as he left this earth, he said, go into all the world and make disciples. We say the reason Liberty Baptist Church exists is to glorify God by making disciples here in Dalhart and around the world. When you drive out of this parking lot on the backside of the sign, we put go make disciples. Not, those aren't my words. Jesus has given us a thing to do. Know him, grow in him, and go for him. Be undividedly devoted to Christ. And I'll ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And this great Christ whom we have opportunity to know and to grow in and to go for came and lived and gave his life so that we could have life and we celebrate communion on the first Sunday of each month in order to remember that. I'm going to invite the music team to come forward. And we're going to transition into our communion time now.